the more in tune we are with our own individual health, the more we kind of understand what it needs. And flavor can help to really dictate that. Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I want to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is, you're the chef of your life. And for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week, we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me, and let's squeeze the joy out of this life, because you only get one. Can I get a fork, yeah? Last week, my 14-year-old son asked me, how did they deal with disease hundreds or even thousands of years ago? You know, before conventional medicine and antibiotics. My response was, look in our kitchen and our herb garden. They were masters of using plants and food as their remedies. And the pharmaceuticals we now have are often derived from those medicinal plants. Things like garlic and onions and turmeric and thyme and so many more. In fact, the use of spices and herbs with antimicrobial activity was necessary to ward off the threat of foodborne pathogens. I mean, refrigeration did not really exist back then, as you know. The only problem is now people tend to turn to a pharmaceutical when a lot of the times the answer is still in our own spice cabinet. My guest today is Amber Valenzuela. She's a staff herbalist with traditional medicinals, and she specializes in the practical application of Western herbalism in our everyday lives. She's a certified California naturalist through UC Berkeley and often can be found in her kitchen concocting various herbal foods or roaming wildlands for mushrooms, herbs, and the like. You know, it may seem kind of hippy-dippy, but I'm going to tell you something. They were doing this thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of years for a reason. And I think that you'll find from today's interview there is a place for this in our everyday lives. Let's listen. Hey, Amber, thanks for joining us today. Oh, hi. Hi there. Thank you so much for inviting me. Very excited to be talking about my favorite subject in the whole world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, and rightfully so, because right now we need some support for our immune systems. People are not only worried about getting COVID, but they're stressed and they're not sleeping and it's all related. But I mean, the use of herbs goes back to, boy, the beginning of time, it feels like. Can you share a little bit about the history of herbs and helping to bolster health? Absolutely. Um, I think you said it correctly right away. I mean, Herbs and humans, we've been tied together ever since the beginning of time, literally. Um, The moment that humans were able to figure out that the vegetation and the environment could provide sustenance and nutrition um, is when that relationship began. So whether it was digging up roots from the earth and eating those and realizing that gives you energy or um, eating any sort of spring green like a bitter leaf 
and realizing that does help with digestion. Um, I mean, that's really how far back it goes. So, you know, herbs is just another word for pretty much like a vegetable or a fruit or something else that's giving you nutrition or that's supporting your body in some way. Um, so yeah, so that's the basis of our relationship. And then as humans progress throughout time, this uh, herbalism itself kind of formed into different um, different meanings for different cultures, you know, whether it's a using an herb over tradition, a grandmother teaching the granddaughter, teaching the mm. daughter, um, you know, these, these bits of knowledge were passed down um, in a very natural way. And then other cultures, of course, formalized it a little bit more by having very specific roles within their societies um, that were keepers of this knowledge uh, and that were able to apply these herbs um, to people, whether it was for their body, mind, or spirit, very specifically. Um, and from that, you know, of course, we have more formalized schools of herbalism, whether it's traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, um, Western European. So you want to break down the world into big geocentric categories. You can also do that too. And at the root of that, it's having a relationship with what your local plants are. I was going to say that. So I was going to say, you know, and it's true. It's like, it's, it's so much bigger than it ever, you know, used to be because it was more localized, right? An indigenous culture would um, have plants that were native to their area. And those were the ones that were celebrated. But now it's like we have this global um, ability to use herbs from around the world. Do you think that um, the use of herbs right now is seen as more of like this kind of hippy dippy thing, like alternative, or do you think it's become more mainstream where people are accepting, yes, there is scientific validity to using certain herbs? Absolutely. There is, it is becoming more mainstream every day. I think there's a desire within societies across the world to have access to medicine uh, without having necessarily to go through pharmaceuticals or other routes, just really realizing again that it can be accessible, as accessible as herbs you can grow yourself. Um, so with with social media, with the, um, the internet, with all of this, we're now, of course, able to share ideas more rapidly across cultures. Um, and as you say, yes, science has taken big strides to proving really oftentimes what traditional knowledge has already been saying all these years. So well, it's just a nice I mean, reinforcement. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, uh, our modern day antibiotics are based so much on what um, comes from the ground, right? I mean, the use of garlic and onions and um, thyme is a very potent antimicrobial. I mean, there are so many different things that we can actually take from nature and kind of, you know, look at it as the root of what our modern day medicine is comprised of. Absolutely. Yes. There's so I many, the pharmaceutical industry is still really heavily based in learning from the chemistry that is in plants naturally. So it all still comes from plants in one Isn't way or another. Beautiful? <laughs> it, it really is. Nature is our pharmacy. So, I mean, right now we know that, I mean, look, we live in unprecedented times and people are 
really stressed out and worried about getting sick. And the thing that drives me crazy is that I don't feel like there's enough emphasis on people boosting their own immunity. What are your, maybe like a recommendation or, or two or three um, for, for herbs that we can take to help support a strong immune system? Ah, absolutely. So there is, there's a lot, of course, this is, this herbal apothecary provides so much for us. Um, And so of course we're speaking about our immune system, but as we know, there are so many different body systems that are connected to each other that Mm. will affect our immunity. Um, And some, you know, we we can go into this if you'd like, but you know, there's a digestive aspect that does um, affect your ability to manage stress or to deal um, with other uh, stresses in your life. Um, yeah, I mean, we so, know that the microbiome is so key in fighting infection and really, you know, being the, the brain of your overall immunity. So I know it's kind of a loaded question, but maybe if you were to focus on a few things, I mean, I think immediately people think immunity, they think taking vitamin C, right? I mean, mm-hmm. but it's so much more than that. If you were to make some recommendations, including your digestion, what would you focus on? Definitely um, focus on your first line of defense. And there's two ways we can do this or that we approach this through herbal medicine. And one is through tonics, herbal tonics, and one is through acute immune herbs. So a great example would be reishi. Right now, I'm definitely reaching, reaching for the reishi mushroom. Reach for the reishi. Um, that should be our campaign. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I love it. Um, so absolutely, that's one of those um, herbs that it's adaptogenic, meaning it can also help deal with your nervous. It's a mushroom. Yeah, it's a mushroom. It's been used in traditional Chinese medicine for years and years and years. Um, and it is one that, of course, it can support the immune system in a way that we call a tonic, which is best when taken over time. Mm. Um, it's something, again, the way, speaking about our ancestors, the way that our ancestors used to approach health is, you know, they didn't have modern healthcare to help them if something got really bad or got acute. They, and we should, of course, manage to keep ourselves in balance and grounded before things can go awry. Um, so this is one where, um, it can really help to tonify your immune system. Um, it's one that's great to take in the morning or the afternoon. And one that's really great to start ahead of time. You know, so maybe like right now might be a great time, August, September, before we start getting into the mm. colder months. Mm-hmm. Um, so very gentle daily immune tonic is for sure one I would go with. And then if, you know, we get further down um, into more of acute, uh, acute need, those around you are starting to get a little, you know, a little iffy. You just want to make sure you're extra protected. You know, echinacea and elderberry are two other herbs you may have heard of. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, echinacea, I mean, going back to like when I was a teenager, practically, I think that's um, something that's been around for a while and really people are very familiar with it. But I think elderberry is a little bit newer on the scene. I mean, I've been using it for many years now, but can you talk a little bit about why elderberry? Yeah. So, um, you know, they do, they do kind of function in the same way. In fact, we have a tea, it's called, it's Echinacea Plus with elderberry. They're, they're a really great combination to have where it's going to support you when you need it most 
Um, it's a really quick burst of support. So again, a little bit different than the reishi that really is going to do its best for you over time. This one will, will almost start acting immediately. Hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, also talking about echinacea as well, why it's such a good combination is echinacea will also provide a little tingling sensation through the chemistry of the plant, some tingling tech, uh, once you're taking it as a tea form in particular, or even as an alcohol-based tincture. Um, and that actually provides a, a very good form of defense, which is one of your first lines of defense, which is your mucosal mm. um, tissues. Mm. So as the tingling sensation begins to initiate saliva production. It's actually coating your mouth and um, your entire enteric system on the way down. So, um, you know, having those two in concert are just a wonderful, powerful pair. And, you know, I, I've been reading some research lately on um, our oral health and how important it is to contribute to an overall healthy immune system and how they're detecting um, certain things in the mouth that are, are early detectors for COVID and other, you know, illnesses. So I think there's a lot of validity in what you put in your mouth too, is kind of initiating the start of healing or, or you know, kind of arming up, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And one, one of the best ways too, of course, is to keep yourself hydrated during mm-hmm. these times. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only hydration for on a cellular level, but also keeping it, keeping those barriers nice and moist. Um, you want to really keep juice up that surface immunity, if you will. Yeah. And, and for everybody listening, you know, one thing that's really important about hydra- hydration is just so critical. I mean, I'm, I'm a food person, but I talk about hydration being even more important than the food that you're eating to a large extent because every cellular function does rely on it. But what you're saying too, I mean, we need water to flush our systems. We need the toxins to be released. We need, um, you know, even when you are, say for example, you're exposed to virus, just by drinking water, you can, you know, it takes all that stuff into your stomach and the stomach acid kills it. So, and drinking tea too, by the way, I read something about drinking hot liquids and how the virus doesn't survive those hot temperatures and drinking tea can be a really valuable way to, uh, a valuable practice to incorporate into your everyday for so many reasons, but just for that reason, just to, to kind of flush your system and put something hot into your mouth that can address the virus too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, so as far as, you know, what we take, and what do you think about oregano? I, oregano oil has become like such a hot thing, I feel like now, and I've read different data on oregano oil and that you have to be careful not to use it regularly because it is almost like an antibiotic and you don't want to just kind of sustain antibiotic dosing <laughs> um, in your body. Can you weigh in on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that this is exactly a moment that we'd go back to like tonifying your immune system. We want to start off with something that's going to build the foundation first mm-hmm. and um and then build in practices in our lives, of course, that are going to help us um, manage stress or manage immunity, digestion, all of that, so that you don't necessarily have to reach for something that is as strong as oregano oil is, for example. Mm-hmm. That's one that that it's 
you know, it's, it's because of its power, it should be revered and respected. Um, there's a lot that you can do before you get to that level. Is it like pulling the, the emergency hatch kind of thing to take? Like when exactly. you're really like, oh <laughs> man, I cannot even get up. Like maybe then? Exactly. Yeah, okay. definitely. Definitely. All right. I hear you. Thank God too, because it tastes awful. <laughs> <laughs> does. Yes. Some of my favorite bad. herbs taste, taste awful, according to other people. So. I know, but oregano oil, I mean, I can stomach, I can drink apple cider vinegar until the cows come home, but man, <laughs> oregano oil. Um, so let's, can we dive a little bit deeper into the biome, or the microbiome? Because I, I think that this becomes a very overlooked area and our gut health is just so incredibly critical to so much. And in my book, I wrote about, um, you know, different flavors and how those different flavors contribute to health and, you know, the sour flavor, Mm -hmm. sour foods that are often associated with probiotic rich foods are such an important thing to um, introduce to your diet, whether it be, you know, pickled vegetables, kimchi, sauerkraut, um, you can do, you know, uh, kefir, yogurt, um, you can do, you know, the whole range of probiotic rich drinks that are out there now. Um, in terms of isolating like herbal remedies, when people go to buy these things on the shelf, what, what the, should they look for? And do you have any recommendations on specific products that you find that are effective for boosting your microbiome IQ. Have you ever wondered, is rinsing my produce with the water that comes out of the sink that I don't even drink enough to really clean it? Well, then you're one of the smartest people I know. Because you're absolutely right. It's not enough. That's why we created the only all-natural and patented line of food wash and wipes, and it's called Eat Cleaner. It's tasteless, odorless, and lab-tested, and it removes up to 99.9% of the residue that water can't, including pesticides, wax, soil, and junk that can carry bacteria that can really make you sick. Plus, we formulated it to help extend the shelf life of your fresh produce too, and that'll save you money. When your berries are lasting up to 10, 12 days, you know that's a good thing. It helps your produce last up to five times longer using a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. So there's no chemicals. It's just clean eating fun. And this can help save your family an average of over $500 per year. Make it easy on yourself, reduce waste, and get that fruit and veggies into your body where it's gonna do you a lot of good and not in the trash. Check us out eatcleaner.com or head to our Amazon store at amazon.com forward slash eatcleaner. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, as you say, yes, building the microbiome is step one baseline um, for good digestion and it allows us to properly assimilate food. And assimilating, of course, is making sure you're getting the nutrients right into your system and that they're not just passing through your system. Uh, this, uh, can I just stop you for a second? Because yeah. I want everybody to hear this one more time. This is such a critical point because 
the synthesis of these nutrients, your body's ability to actually absorb them is so critical. I mean, I can't, I'm, I want to underscore critical here. Can you just repeat what you just said? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, how did I phrase that? <laughs> but basically, yes, you want, you want your body to be at a state where it can assimilate the nutrients from the food that you're intaking so that it just doesn't pass through. Yes. Um, and there are certain ways, of course, we can do this. One is, um, you know, activating our liver, the liver bile and our digestive enzymes. They're really... Um, they're really there to orchestrate this entire action of processing the food. Mm. Um, so there are definitely herbs that help to do this, whether it's stimulating those digestive juices. Um, sour, as you mentioned, is absolutely one of those flavors. Bitter is one of those flavors that'll help mm. us do that. Um, so an example, shizandra berry, that's mm. one of those, it's called the five flavor herb. And it has that bitter and that sour, that tangy, a little bit of sweetness in there too. Um, and then, uh, you know, going back to the initial question of setting up that microbiome for yourself, um, there are prebiotic herbs, which of course is, it's the food for the, <laughs> the microbiota to be living in. So you want to build that rich environment for them to want to live in. Um, great example would be burdock root. So, so forget about, you know, what's on the, the shelf stable areas of the store. You can also great, go straight to the produce section. And if your health food, natural food store has burdock root, that is great source of prebiotic fiber called inulin. Inulin. Yeah. And what you're saying about prebiotics, I, I do a trend report every year. And um, a couple of years ago, I talked about the importance of prebiotics because, you know, getting a lot of probiotics into your system is not good if your system's not fertilized, if you kind of think about mm -hmm. a garden. So you want to create a, an environment that the, the probiotics actually take hold and, and do their work. Um, I love that you can also you know, garlic and onions. I mean, garlic and onions are a great way to feed mm -hmm. that probiotic rich um, environment, if you will, too. I, it's interesting. I um, just started taking a supplement that has burdock root in it. And I'm curious to see how that kind of works with me. So I'm glad you brought that up too. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, so if you, you, you can go to the store, you can get burdock, you can eat it directly. Um, you can boil it up and turn that into a tea as well. Um, but for someone who's looking for something a little bit more ready-made and on the go and maybe more familiar that might be in a package, um, you know, there's one tea that we have, which I have been loving and it's the dandelion chai probiotic tea. Mm. And, so not only are you getting the benefits of dandelion, which also is great for the digestive system, um, but we're, we've added that extra layer of probiotics. And what we've done there is, um, the, you know, oftentimes you'll see that your probiotics should be refrigerated. You know, there's a whole refrigerated section in some stores dedicated. Uh, but there are also probiotics that are available in a culinary grade, um, specifically to withstand the heat of something oh. like adding boiling water to it. Yeah. Uh -huh. Mm. Well, that's and just a nice quick way. <laughs> I love dandelion. Um, I had some toasted dandelion tea that I, it's just so yummy and it's so like soothing and nourishing. I think that there's, um, there's so much that we can find 
in the form of a tea, which I know you're an expert in, but teas mm-hmm. just make it very easy for us to be able to take in these herbs. Can you weigh in a little bit on why you would do a tea versus maybe like swallowing a supplement? Oh, absolutely. And this is, this is another area where we're going to bring back that word assimilation. Mm, mm. <laughs> you know, So when we, when we take a supplement or when we even eat a food directly, of course, you, you will likely get benefits that way, especially if your digestive system is running nice and smoothly. Um, but what's happening when you actually put a plant, for example, an herb into hot water is that there's an extraction process that that hot water is doing for you. Mm, so it's, it's, it's right? pre-digesting it almost before it gets into your body. Mm-hmm. The steeping <laughs> of it. Yeah. So, and that's why, you know, a lot of teas that are more, you know, I'll say, you know, a blend of herbs or maybe natural that I've used, um, they require you to steep them for a little bit longer, right? To just Mm -hmm. kind of pull that out, whether it be, um, you know, a nice green tea or or something that has a blend. Um, Is there anything, could you oversteep tea? I mean, is, is there that possibility or does that not really exist? You know, it actually does exist. So it's, it's all a science. It's pretty, we can nerd out about that. I can nerd out about this forever. <laughs> but yes, I, w- I would definitely recommend if anyone is reaching for um, a tea, especially if it's a tea box itself, uh, is to check out the steeping directions on the back. Oftentimes you'll see, especially with our products, we do indicate the amount of time that's recommended for that particular tea. Um, plants that are soft in nature, like let's say a leaf or a flower, like a chamomile flower, hmm. typically will need less steeping time, less time to pull out the uh, water-soluble constituents that we're looking for. Whereas something that's a little bit harder and durable in its form, like a root, for example, like a marshmallow root, which we love to help coat our throats, um, that you know, we, is, is something that would take a little bit more time to steep. And in, in some cases, the longer you steep it, the more you can extract from it. Um, and then to put into terms also, you know, flavor, flavor is so important to people as well. Um, you'll see green tea, for example. Have you ever steeped your green tea for too long? If yeah, you have- it can get pretty bitter. <laughs> Yes. Yep. So what's happening is you're, you're changing the chemical breakup there. Makeup there is you're extracting so much tannin that it becomes bitter and drier on your tongue. Mm. Um, yeah. So, 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 more, it's, so it's, is it more of a culinary or not culinary, but sensory concern versus like I'm, I'm doing something chemically that's not good for my body or is it a little bit of both? It's a little bit of both. You know, we call mm. herbalism, uh, it's, a, it's a blend of science and art. It mm. really is, especially mm. when you get into formulation. You want to make sure you have that, that whole package of the right amount of constituents that are being pulled out at the right time, paired with the flavor profile. It's just, it's beautiful chemical magic. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. I like that. Uh, do you have a, a, a guide or is there a place that we could get maybe more information for our listeners if they're looking for, say, you know, certain things to, you know, for certain conditions or certain symptoms? Is there a guide that you could refer people to? Gosh, well, there are so many fantastic herbal experts in the field right now. I would say that 
um, if anyone wanted to reach for a book by David Hoffman, um, he's actually, he's actually one of our staff verbalists and someone that I learned from years and years and years ago. Mm. Um, so David Hoffman has some wonderful accessible books out there. Guido Massé also is fantastic herbalist. Um, and of course, Rosemary Gladstar. I mean, she's, she's what some people would call the godmother of quote unquote modern herbalism here in the States. Mm. It was back to the roots movement um, in about herbalism, back to the roots. How do we grow our own food? How do we make our own medicines? And you know, she's a Sonoma County native, which is where traditional medicinals is based. And uh, she, she's actually the co-founder of, the original co-founder of traditional medicinals as well. Oh, and cool. a, lot of, a lot of her original formulas are still in our lineup today. That's how effective and time-tested they are. Um, and she just also has a beautiful way of breaking down herbal medicine and herbalism so that anyone can use it. You know, that was one of her first and foremost objectives is getting herbal knowledge in the hands of people. Mm. You know, whether you buy a product and you, you want to learn more about why it's a good product and how to read a label um, or whether it's, yeah, again, growing your own, making your own, whether it's a tincture form or a, a tea form. She's, yeah, I, those authors were fantastic. With a name like Rosemary Gladstar, she was destined <laughs> to be an herbalist. I mean, come on, like, that's like a game, right. right? That's pretty much like, okay, you have to go down this path. Yeah, and she is an icon in the industry. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so I have a question for you. What is your go-to flavor of tea that that you or do you have a few that you like to go to depending on what the situation is or what time of year it is? Oh my goodness. Yes. I, <laughs> so I, I, I definitely reach for teas for specific reasons. Now there's always a rhyme or reason behind what I'm pulling for. So, um, for example, this morning I woke up and I really wanted a cup of our turmeric with meadow sweet tea. And that's because yesterday I went on a pretty extensive hike and my body just needed a little bit of, of, uh, support after my active, (laughs) my active run. Um, so, and then, you know, all the, I think through, through any season, something for my gut or for my liver. So I'm in the summer months really enjoying our everyday detox shizandra berry tea. So again, Mm. you're getting that shizandra berry, which has that that stimulation for your palate, the bitter and the sour in there. And you're also getting other herbs in there like nettle and hibiscus and goji berry. And that's also really, they're, they're tonifying for your system and very supportive of your liver. So um, it's, it's a fun, fruity, tangy one that I like for the summer as well. I love it. And I will add that, um, you know, thinking about like what you need and being intuitive with what you reach for is, is just such a beautiful thing to cultivate. You know, mm-hmm. I think the more in tune we are with our own individual health, the more we kind of understand what it needs. And flavor can help to really dictate that. I think you know, you mentioned bitter and sour for gut health also. And I'll tell you that um, bitter also lends itself to cellular cellular renewal. So really feeding your, your cells at the point where you are, you know, you're thriving, you're actually preventing the aging process. So mm-hmm. I would just really encourage people to cultivate those flavors because I think 
innately having a taste for bitter or sour or, um, you know, maybe even sometimes umami is something you have to cultivate. And that happens from eating those foods that lend themselves to great health. And then also the getting these herbs in a, maybe a tea form that can help to sustain that. So Mm -hmm. Um, we like to say, show us your bitter face, just (laughs) own it. (laughs) I love that. And sour too, like pucker up. It's It's all right. (laughs) Well, Amber, this has been so helpful. I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us about herbs and ways that we can boost our own immunity, whether it be through, you know, actually, you know, drinking teas or taking these herbs in different ways and just bolstering our own health. I think this journey is very important for people if they haven't started on it to put their foot in because disease is not going away. Viruses are not going away. In fact, we're, we're going to be rounding the corner into the fall and winter months. And so I think armoring up beginning right now is, is a really smart move. So thank you for sharing your wisdom. Oh, you're welcome. And if I'll just add one more thing too about the benefits of herbs is you, they're all, they're often multifunctional. So uh, chamomile, I want to bring this one up, especially as so many of us might be worried about the state Mm. of the world right now. Um, Chamomile is a cross-functional herb, you know, so while it, uh, I think most of us know about it as something that's great for relaxation, um, but it's also great for the digestive system because it does contain bitterness in and of itself. Mm, um, mm, so that's point. one where, where if you if you notice that you happen to be the worrier that feels it in your gut, you get that you get that feeling that you know something might be happening that's not going to be the best for you, or you just worry about the state of affairs or your loved ones, you get the butterflies in the tummy. Mm. Chamomile is perfect to help digestion and support calming relaxation. Mm. So many good, so many good things out there (laughs) and, and try different, try different formulas, try different combinations and, and then maybe just switch them up. And I think having, you know, Um, I have a little tea container. I just put all my bags in there and then I just kind of switch it up with my mood, you know, switch it up with what I, what I enjoy and what my body feels like it needs. And that's sort of like my, my kitchen, my kitchen Mm -hmm. uh, pantry item. So your apothecary, (laughs) my apothecary. I love it. Thank you again, Amber. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch, so it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot, and share it on your social media with a hashtag RFYBL for recipes for your best life. I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.